Japanese mixed martial arts and Japanese combat sports, or we just, you know, shoot the shit, talk about things that excite us, like video games, cult classic movies, horror movies, you know, stuff like that. And quick plug, you want to follow us on Twitter, you can, at WeAreRisePod, W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-N-P-O-D-R, with one word. Or you can check us out on YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, because hopefully soon we want to be on any and all podcast providers of choice. But now's not the time for plugs. Really, we can't really be shooting the shit too much because it's been a real crazy week. Not just in combat sports, but in the world at large, especially in my neck of the woods, which is the southeast region of, I mean, the southeast district of Texas, which is Houston, Galveston, Baytown, Sugarland, Texas, and the Golden Triangle, Beaumont, Port Arthur, West Orange, Stark. But still... Crazy situation happened in Minneapolis as of the time of this recording less than a week ago back on May 25th or 26th, if I'm not mistaken. There was an incident that happened outside of a little corner store in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where a man by the name of George Floyd was apprehend well actually was charged for using a counterfeit twenty dollar bill using fake money basically not like monopoly money but really fake printed on money and it led to an incident where an officer well four officers showed up from the Minneapolis Police Department one of them was the name Derek Chauvin who not only apprehended Floyd and put him down on the ground, but he had his knee in George Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes, eight minutes and 46 seconds to be more precise, to the point where Floyd, after three minutes, passed out, suffocated under the weight of Derek Chauvin, under the weight of Derek Chauvin's body, 
with the need being a birth for that. And it was recently dug up that George Floyd died of asphyxia and heart disease when really Derek Chauvin is to blame for that. And now Derek Chauvin is charged with murder of three officers who are going to be charged with him. They're just as guilty as Chauvin is for, you know, causing that to happen. Because had that not happened, had that he not gone into George Floyd's neck, George Floyd, former Yates High School football star in the third ward of Houston, Texas, originally from North Carolina, had he not had that knee in his neck, he would have still been alive and been able to take care of his six-year-old daughter today. It's just frustrating that in these times, we have to go through shit like this in order to, you know, get out on the other side scot-free, but that doesn't mean we don't talk about it. And Andrew Benjamin at A Benjamin, I know you're up there in New York. You basically went through, I mean, you've seen the damage that this thing has caused, that this incident has caused, and it's led to rioting and looting throughout the country in most metropolitan areas and even some small municipalities. So I just have to ask, when you heard of the news that George Floyd died in conjunction with the looting and robbing and all of that, what were your first thoughts? Well, when it came to, you know, well, first, everything started in Minneapolis. And mm-hmm. you just kind of, there was no indication that this would, pro- you know, I kind of figured that protests would spread to other areas. And maybe there would be some looting, there would be some, some property damage, but not on a scale like this, where it's almost like it's contagious from Minneapolis. You, M- Minneapolis is now Detroit. It is Detroit right now. I have seen the pictures. I have seen the video of what Min. I've only been to Minneapolis once, and it was for basically a weekend. Uh, at, at, uh, and I basically saw most. I saw Minneapolis was the Mall of America. I didn't see that much of the actual city, but I'm guessing that the that the city that I went to back around. I think it was 2011, 2012, is not, it is not the same city, and it probably will never be the same city ever again. This is, for, for Minneapolis, the, this is a probably akin to when, so, you know, when Detroit, when they lost all the Ford and uh, factories and all that stuff, and it just became almost like a, like a deserted, like a ghost town. I think that's what Minneapolis is now. As for New York City, it has is bad in New York City, but so far it is not. It I I don't want to understate it and say that it's bad, not as bad. It's bad, but the level it could be a lot worse, and probably yesterday was was the worst 
when it was not only looting was going on in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn, Manhattan, different parts of Manhattan, and extended to the Bronx. So New York City, for those that don't know, is five boroughs. Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Manhattan. Three out of five were experiencing that. There was something in Queens earlier in the day, but there was only 20 protesters and at the Queens Center Mall and nothing happened. In Staten Island, you can't get to Staten Island unless you, get to, unless you take a ferry or go over the bridge, uh, the Verrazano Bridge. So probably Staten Island isn't going to get anything. But for it to spread, I was just like, wow. And you know, I have a police scanner in my, uh, on my phone. I was just seeing, listening to like, you know, they thought that they got airmail at, at uh, down on six, uh, 16th at the Best Buy. And airmail, for those that don't know, is when somebody is on a roof and they throw stuff from the roof. I actually mis- misread it as animal, and I thought they were throwing animals from the roof. Luckily, though, that was not, not the case. But I'll say this. It's not like Mad Max yet. But it is it it, it it has me worried uh for people, businesses, and just the general de- I guess decorum of the of the city. Um I'm gonna ask you, Christian. Uh now I know you you are close to the Houston area. What is going on in Houston? Uh, right now, are there protests? Are there looting? Or well, I know there's stuff going on in Austin, but I really haven't heard anything from from uh, the Houston Houston area. Well, as far as my region, because obviously I live close to the area, like 45 minutes south from Greater Houston. Even though I know I misread that said I live 90 minutes south, but if you live 90 minutes south from Houston, you live all the way down the fucking Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> That's not <laughs> here nor there. But still, point of the matter is I live close by to the Houston area, and for the first night that, you know, the protest happened, there were riots, there were a lot of people getting arrested, and there were, you know, some incidents with police that made people really feel, they basically made people feel unsafe, what I'm trying to say, but it's because of people like Bernard Freeman, aka Bun B, uh, the Underground Kings rap group with the late Chad Butler and Frazier Thompson III, who otherwise may be known as Trey the Truth, T-R-A-E-T-H-A, Truth, T-R-U-T-H. It's men like those two individuals and men like the former New York City Police Chief, now the Houston Police Chief, Art Acevedo, that have kept, you know, the city at ease, that have kept people in the know and have let people know that we ain't going to take this bullshit standing idly by. And 
You know, it is kind of sad that, you know, there are people that are taking advantage of this, like, like, for example, when it came down to the looters, obviously, you've seen the news. You would know about all these people coming into these cities and just destroying shit, like, oh, well, these... And I don't want to say this particular word because I know it might offend some people. But these N-words ain't going to have any chance to, you know, stand up and proper. Why don't we destroy everything they got just to make things even? But still, though, it's, it's really fucking crazy when you think about, you know, shit like that, especially considering the fact that all these crazy-ass rioters who are people who don't even have any, you know, rooting interest, so to speak, they just want to burn shit for the sake of watching the world burn. But still, it's the fact that the looters made this thing a fucking chaotic scene all across the country that really are disgracing you know, the legacy of George Floyd. And it stings like Black Lives Matter, who many people may think is probably just as much at fault to this as, you know, the people that killed George Floyd. You know, many people think that Black Lives Matter is doing this shit wrong, but really, they're misunderstood when it comes down to what Black Lives Matter truly mean and You know, I just find it sad that we have to go through shit like this, but still, when it comes down to, you know, what's going on here, I'm just glad we got three people that actually give a shit about what's going on in the community and are actually, you know, worthy enough uh, not let this shit stand idly by and let the city go to waste. Mm. Now, as far as you go, I mean, when it comes to the protest in your area, have you been paying at least a small molecule of attention to it? Well, it's not. It's impossible not to. I, you know, I don't have cable in my apartment, but... Social media is now basically a 24-7 uh, cable a news network. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything. I also have friends who were in the protests. I also have friends, rookie cops, who were, who are at the protest being whatever they're supposed to be doing. So I'm hearing and seeing things from all sides. So... Yeah, listen, there was a whole bunch of protests yesterday. There was a whole bunch today. Um, there was one at the Barclays. You know, the Barclays Center has been, has been the hub for, like, the large gatherings uh, for these uh, protests. They, they've, been ha- they've been in Manhattan and downtown and other parts of downtown Brooklyn. But Barclays, you know, it's, you know, it's an easy place to get to. Well, it's not easy for me to get to, but it's easy for a lot of other people to get to. It's a major hub with like six or seven or eight train stations that go there, Long Island Railroad, subways. It's incredible. You know, it's, it's the easiest marking that people can do. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I, you know, I would kind of figure that you want to do these protests in Manhattan. 
But, you know, I know there was actually, I take it back. There was a protest in Manhattan today that was going through the uh, uh, West Side Highway uh, near the Brooklyn uh, Battery Tunnel. So it's not, you know, but, you know, I can't remember when Barclays was ever used as a, as a major hub for protests um, that I can recall. Um, well, but, actually, on the contrary, the building's only like, what, eight years old, if I'm yeah, not mistaken? Yeah, yeah, so... Um, I, I, you know, there, you know, I guess because, you know, but yeah, I've been hearing, you know, I hear every through everything through the grapevine from all sides. Uh, in fact, I was just keeping, I'm keeping up with a friend of mine who is at, uh, or maybe was at the, uh, Barclays protests. And I'm hoping that she is, uh, you know, uh, for those that don't know, um, our governor and our, I'll call him, uh, our Tweety Dumb mayor. Mayor de Blasio, uh, decided to enact a curfew at 8 p.m. And by governor, you mean, and, and I hate to interrupt, even though it's kind of my thing, but your governor is Chris Cuomo, right? Uh, and, Andrew. Well, yeah. actually, no. Your governor is Andrew Cuomo. Chris, his brother, works for CNN. That's correct, yeah. Andrew Cuomo and then uh, Mayor de Bla- Bill de Blasio is the... The, I, the, I use the term man loosely uh, in charge of New York City. So, uh, yeah, they enacted a curfew at 8 p.m. Um, I have not heard of anything. It is now 9.55 uh, in New York right now. I have heard nothing of the sort of any, like, arrests, any sort of, sh- quote, shit going down. My police mm-hmm. scanner, uh, uh, which also I get text messages from, nothing about looting yet. So, so far, it is pretty quiet right now. Who knows? Two hours from now or five minutes from now, who knows? But right now, it is pretty quiet uh, on the protests and the cops side. Well, come to think of it, don't you think it's kind of been quiet since the... COVID-19 pandemic started back in February? Yeah. March, March. Yeah, it, it, it was... It's very funny that, like... Uh, it's... It's it's almost like that COVID has become an afterthought at this point. Nobody's talking about it anymore. Nobody's talking about the pandemic. Now, you know... Now it's all George Floyd. Now it's all police brutality. It's racism. It's COVID has now is no longer a part. I or I should say not no longer a part, but it is not as prevalent of in the conversation. Um, I think it helps that you know that that many months have gone by that the cases have gone down, especially in New York. But for the but you know for a thing that's still going on, it's very rarely talked about now. True. True. But still, in all honesty, you know, there will be a time pretty soon. Excuse me. Like I said, um, damn it. See, I'm losing my train of thought. But the point of the matter is there will come a time when COVID-19 is back up in the conversation because there's going to be a new wave, you know, stranded. There's going to be a new wave coming up by year's end. At least I hope not. But still, the point of the matter is, 
you know, with this current situation going down, it seems like, yeah, COVID-19 is an afterthought. But it is kind of sad that this shit is even happening, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have a question for you. Um, I have only been to Texas once, uh, and that was Dallas-Fort Worth. I never left the airport, mm-hmm. actually. I So that means I've never been to Houston. I, want... I mean, basically, you were flying on a layover, right? Yes, yeah, to uh, Burning Man uh, uh, in 2012. Uh, I mean, because I can basically say that the only place that I've been to on a layover was, like, St. Louis. That was only for a small bit of time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I was basically... Because me and my family were trying to get up to Chicago. I would like to know any, if you want to talk about it, any sort of interactions that you've had with either the, uh, I don't know, is it the Houston Police Department? Or, I don't know, is that, is, is, is uh, does Houston have its own police department? Or is it like the state of. Or... Yes, Houston has its own police department, but I think I get what you're trying to ask. You want me to talk about, you know, my personal experiences when it comes down to situations like this. Yes. Yes. And I mean, it's glad, I mean, I'm glad that you actually said that. I mean, you tried to many ways, but I'm, for the most part, for the most part, most of my life, I really haven't had any I really haven't had any serious, serious, you know, interactions with the police. And obviously, my parents and my siblings have tried to do their damnedest to make sure that we all stay on the straight and narrow. I mean, shit, I remember... Obviously, back when I was growing up, there used to be a time where we probably wouldn't even... (laughs) What am I saying? There used to be a time when I grew up that we didn't really have any problems. My immediate family didn't really have any problems with the cops. I mean, we basically seen the police as just... People in the street doing their job and looking to stop by and just talk, really, to us about some things. Especially when we, as we grew older, realized that the cops were just there to help and protect us. But then came a night, it was, I mean, then came a night that changed at least my life for the worst forever. It was July 11th, 2014. I was at a wrestling event at the Galveston Island Convention Center in Galveston Island, Texas, the building that's owned by Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Gold Nugget, Houston Rockets, all those things. So yeah, basically I was 
at a wrestling event for most of, if not all of, the damn day. I mean, I didn't get any sleep the night before. I was nervous and anxious. My mom played some, like, gospel music to get me I mean, to at least try to get me some sleep while she was trying to work on some big project which she had, like, across town that day. And I remembered getting a call that morning as I was on my way to that convention center from Paul Ween, who you probably don't know who Paul Ween is. Joseph Matos can probably vouch for him. He's one of the, you know, one of the under, her, I mean, one of the underrated New York wrestling bloggers before wrestling blogging became a thing. He actually was a former World Trade Center worker. As a matter of fact, he was a member of the first responder team after 9-11. And he got a chance to meet all the WWF at the time, superstars who met, I mean, who was in the ruins of the World Trade Center trying to figure out how they count. But still, I remember getting a call from Paul Bean that morning as I was making my way to the convention center, and he basically said to me, don't fuck this up. Because, of course, we were going to be there all fucking day. I was going to try and get interviews with some people, and I did get interviews. I got interviews with Paul London, Raj Singh, a.k.a. Jinder Mahal, Black Art. And I tried to get a few interviews with, you know, some of the national talent, some of the local talent that were there. But obviously, everybody was either off in their own little worlds or much like the promoter of the event, who whose name will be withheld for this story. He was running around with a chicken, like a chicken with his head cut off, doing like 10 different things at once. So basically, it was up to me to do a job. It was up to me basically to work and try and get people in the building. I was passing out flyers, not knowing it was illegal. I mean, not knowing that shit was illegal. Still is, I think. I was so bored that I ended up taking a walk on the escalator, not realizing that there was a wedding on the second floor of the convention center. And, well, I just you know, lounged around a bit. But then the matches happened, and there were, like, it was a long-ass day and an even longer-ass part because it lasted from, from, if I'm not mistaken, from 7, I mean, from, like, 6.30 to 11 p.m. And that's central time, of course. 6.30 to 11 p.m. because they had, like, an opening segment with, Ron Simmons, a.k.a. Farouk, and Mick Foley in the ring. But still, it was in the middle of the event where they had a match that pitted members of the Akbar family, General, the late General Skandar Akbar versus the Von Erics. And I'm not talking about Carrie and Kevin and 
Michael and Chris Von Eric. I'm talking about Kevin's sons, Ross and Marshall, who are now in Major League Wrestling as their World Tag Team Champions at this point. Well, right now, of course. But then when I seen them in 2014, they were just fresh off appearances in Pro Wrestling Noah, fresh off of appearances in Impact Wrestling. You know, just trying to get their feet in the door, so to speak. So I had my fucking back turned, like, ignoring the match. Not because, you know, oh, I hate the binaries. It was just like, I was going through, I mean, it wasn't like me being a Houstonian, not really giving two shits about two people from North Texas. It was just the fact that, you know, I was stressed out. You know, at that point, I was probably up for like 12 hours. I mean, I was probably up for at least like 17 hours at that point because I didn't get any, because like I said to you, I didn't get any sleep the night before. But I had my back turned for most of the entire match until the end of the match. And then, I mean, it was during that match where I was starting to stack up chairs because, you know, they were expecting 4,000 people at that event. They only got 1,000, so I was basically making the job for the cleaning crew a bit easier. And until, I mean, as the match ended, Von Eriks won, obviously, because the crowd enjoyed it, and they had, like, the old world-class ring announcer, Doyle King, there to introduce them and announce them as the winners. But still, basically... When I heard that they were doing a raffle, I grabbed one of the chairs, and I just swung. Not in any general direction. I just swung that chair around. And for some odd reason, a little girl who was no more than like five, six, maybe seven years old at the time. She's now like in her teen years. But a little girl was scared, and, you know, her mother was pissed off at me, as was her wife, Julie, who was pissed at me. And all of a sudden, as Derek, no, I'm not even going to say the promoter's name. I almost slipped there. But as the promoter was saying, oh, there was a raffle going on, all of a sudden, four fucking rent-a-cops from, like, security for the venue because, of course, they were all wearing, like, Landry's badges, which is the name of Tillman Petita's, you know, group of restaurants. But four rent-a-cops came to my direction telling me to put my hands up, which I did not do, which, of course, you're supposed to do, no matter if you're in trouble or not with the law. But I obviously did not listen, did not pay attention. And I tried to make a run for the ring, but they caught me. And all of a sudden, as they were catching me, more officers, more fucking rent-a-cops came, put my knee in my back and all that. Even though, let me remind you, I'm only like 5'4", so there wasn't much back to be kneed in. And they escorted me 
not only did they escort me out the convention hall, but they pressed my damn short ass onto the glass window, and I was trying to back up just to get some air. And all I kept remembering, all I remember saying was, my name is not Brandon Backey, because, I mean, for those of y'all who don't know, Brandon Backey is a former pitcher for the Houston Astros who grew up on Galveston Island and who had his arm broke and his baseball career ended by way of an arm injury from an incident with Renacox on his wedding night. But that was like six years earlier, so... Anyways, back to my situation. I got pressed up against the glass. I couldn't breathe. I had a hard time really breathing. When they had the fucking handcuffs on me, my damn wrist felt like it was about to slit open. And Paul came out. He was pissed. The promoter came out. He was trying to calm the whole situation down. And the officers just told the officers threw my ass out and told me that I'm not, I mean, told me that I wasn't to come back in for the rest of the show lest I get arrested because I was already, I mean, things that night could have easily gone from bad to worse because, again, I wasn't swinging that chair in any general direction, but if I would have hit that little girl, I would have easily been looking at five years in prison right now. I would have been easily looking at five years doing time in Huntsville, Texas, where the state prison it is. And I didn't want to do that. And I didn't want to have to go through the shame and embarrassment of telling my parents that, you know, their mischievous son, their second oldest son out of four kids, three sons, one daughter, you know, I didn't want to tell them that their crazy son who, you know, survived most of his life being autistic and being born premature, one pound, 10 ounces, is a fucking criminal. I didn't want to have to go through the shame of that shit. And it's like ever since that particular night, I've been afraid to go out really in public ever since. The only night that I didn't really, you know, feel that burden on me was when my dad and I went to the Royal Rumble at Minute Maid Park back in late January. But other than that, I've really, I mean, it's like ever since this has happened with the George Floyd situation. I always think back to that particular night in the summer of 2014 because had I would have hit somebody and yeah, I would have hit somebody. Given the fact that I was swinging that chair around there were people close by and there weren't really a lot of people. It was just starting to thin out because it was only a thousand people there and they were mostly on like opposite sides of the building but had I hit somebody and the police were around to basically beat me up and probably kill me, which of course they would have feared anyways, considering that they threw me out in the fucking outskirts of the building telling me not to get in, knowing that I probably would have 
gotten mugged or gotten shot right outside the building, and they wouldn't do a damn thing about it other than call the ambulance. But basically what I'm saying is, considering the fact that, you know, at the time, at that particular time, the only major deaths for the deaths of Michael Brown, the deaths of Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, and Trayvon Martin, I could have easily been a statistic that night. And I thank God that I wasn't. It's just, it was just a fucking frustrating situation. And I just hope that even though, you know, it is right to not really do anything stupid at a wrestling event, a concert, or what have you. Because you probably might not get that opportunity to enjoy the rest of your night, which I didn't get the chance to do because I didn't realize that AJ Styles was facing Mike Dale, one man Mike Dale that night, uh, until I watched it like a couple of years later. But still, point of the matter is, I now take that, I mean, I realized that if, I would have hit that, if I would have hit that little person or if I would have hit people in the crowd with that chair and the cops were on me like flies to shit, I probably wouldn't be talking with you today. God knows my parents would probably be fucking devastated. That is, sorry, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. It's just a sad situation all around and I'm really hoping that you know, these days, people don't have to go through shit like that. But still, you go ahead and talk now. Well, my question to you is, do you think, now, do you think the way you're treated, so, with these, so you say Renicops, when I think of Renicops, I think of mall cops, who basically have no power. They have, they have no, they are not, they do not have any sort of security lights. They, I don't even know if they have a security license, but whatever they do have, they don't have any sort of power that, you know, police officer, sheriff, or <sighs> National Guard. Was, was Is that when you say uh, Rent-A-Cop, or are, you, or are you just referring to just Houston Police Department as Rent-A-Cops? Well, it wasn't the Houston Police Department, let's be frank here. Okay. It was, it was the security for the venue, which, of course... Considering the close proximity, probably might have been, you know, Galveston County Sheriff's, probably could have been Galveston Police Department, probably could have been, obviously, Tillman Petita's security forces, but still, all I know is that when I seen the fucking Landry's badge on one of the officer's shirts, I knew they were nothing more but glorified fucking security guards. I gotcha, I gotcha. Do you think the security guards treated you the way they did because you're a person of color? Well, yeah, I mean, to be quite honest, even though, yeah, there was, like, if I remember correctly, there was one security guard that knew my dad from his time working at the medical branch on Galveston Island because my dad's been a first responder for like 20 years, or over 20 years, I think 25 at this point now, but 
still, point of the matter is, I knew from looking at, you know, one of the people that my dad interacted with as he was dropping me off at the venue that morning that, you know, these guys were nothing more but glorified security guards until that incident occurred, which was like eight hours into me being there. I see, I see. But I think, to be quite honest, I was more likely going through a nervous breakdown because obviously me being there away from home for more than 12 hours at a time, it was just crazy, to be honest. What is, I, I know nothing about the Houston Police Department. What is their track record when it comes to, I guess, arrests, and interactions with just not with with with, with like any citizens of Houston. What what, what are they? Uh, what is their? What is their? I guess. Um, what do people think of them overall? Well, I mean, and it's really hard for me to you know figure out their damn track record. Even though I've watched the damn news almost every night, but there have been a few incidents where they have been, you know, scorned at by the public. As a matter of fact, over the last year, there have been like 892 reports or something like that. But the most, you know, notorious of those recent reports was a shooting. At an abandoned, I think, crack house on Harding Street, which is in, which is basically in the downtown area, which is right near the buildings and right near the whole architecture of the city, which includes the stadium complex, the Astrodome complex, which is now the NRG Reliant complex, but. One of the most notorious incidents happened basically in January of last year, January 2019, with the Harding Street Pecan Park raid, where they killed two homeowners in a place that looked like a ran-down house, all because they thought they had, you know, cocaine on them. You know what it is? I mean, it's a crazy ass story. I should send you more info than what I'm, because what I'm talking about could be described as straight gibberish, but still. Point of the matter is HPD, Houston Police Department, have been known to do some crazy shit, especially this particular raid that happened over a year ago at this point now, about 17 months ago now. But still, it's just kind of crazy. And I really can't say any more about that because I don't know the full extent about what happened. I see. I see. So I, I, were you... Okay, I keep on forgetting the age, but were you around when the, when, uh, the Rodney King incident happened? No, dude. I was born in November of 92. That happened in, what, the summer of 
91. Oh, okay, so you're one year off. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I'm, over 17 months off. <laughs> so I'm trying to think. So you obviously must remember. Ins well, you gave up. You know, you talked about Tamir Rice and Trayvon Martin. But you must remember in such incidents like the Amaro Diallo case, the Abner Lemo case, from uh, both from New York City, actually. Um, uh, you didn't you didn't mention it, but also the uh, did you did you say Eric Garner? I think you said Eric Garner, right? Yeah, I said Eric Garner. Oh, okay, yeah. The I can't breathe case. Yes, yeah. Um, and jo I'm curious to know, like. What what the George Floyd incident among people of was this the final straw for many or or you know you know here's what it's it's so funny that like I don't know why with George Floyd suddenly it it was this incident that finally did it but do you think there's any connection between this pandemic people having forced to stay inside and then suddenly seeing this going on outside where it just kind of made so many people just crack that it was kind of like it was just kind of like the match that finally lit the uh the dynamite well i mean to be honest a lot of sloops would probably say i mean a lot of wannabe sloops would probably say oh this is to do with the coronavirus this due with the pandemic but really no it doesn't have anything to do with what we're currently going through with this crisis. It basically, I mean, it basically have something to do with, you know, all these people that have been killed at the hands of either police, like Alton Sterling, like Philando Castile, like Eric Garner, Antonina Jefferson, Otham John, and people who have been killed by wannabe neighborhood watchdogs like that bastard George Zimmerman did to Cherry Barn Martin. Do you, what about, so do you think also, was it also the, I think, what was her name, Bianna Murphy from Kentucky? Do you think also that was also another part of the power keg for why so many people as well just you know I think that happened before I believe that happened maybe two weeks maybe three weeks before uh, yeah the Brianna Taylor Taylor incident. not Murphy yeah. yeah um well also do you think also the reason why that ha why why with the why the George Floyd case is why this also uh, kickstarted so much was because of the video itself. Had there been no video, do you think there would be a lot, a lot less for people to rally behind? Well, I mean, of course there wouldn't, because in this fix or different ah, let me retry that again. In this fix, as in pictures, what didn't happen society. You know, we got to have everything on tape nowadays. We got to have everything documented for all to see. Otherwise, we're not really going to get anything across. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is kind of sad that, 
you know, it had to be documented on camera because there have been incidents, especially recently, where, you know, people had their video, people had their deaths documented on streaming platforms. Like, for example, back on, I mean, I think it was like a week or two before it happened. A week or two before the George Floyd incident happened, there was an incident out of Indianapolis, Indiana, involving a former military veteran by the name of Sean Reed, a.k.a. Sean Don, where he was trying to, where he was trying to evade the police, and he was recording himself on Facebook Live trying to do so until, you know, he was in the clear. He was thinking about, you know, how am I going to get out? Then he did, you know, felt like everything was clear until the cops came in and, well, until the cops came in, shot him on sight as the Facebook live stream was still rolling. Mm. And it is kind of sad that, you know, death had to be documented on Facebook Live. More so the fact that the damn death is even causing, I mean, more so the damn death even being streamed to the point where an officer later said, oh, it's another closed casket, homie. Hmm. I see, I see. And it's more so because of the list of people that I just sent to you, you know, that have died at the hands of police or the hands of so-called fucking neighborhood watch groups that this happened. This has happened more so over the last decade than over the last... 400 years, which is the amount of time that, you know, black people have been around in this country, which of course, 1619 is the year that African American slaves first came to this country. And ever since then, African American people, myself included, have been feeling oppressed. Hmm. So... I guess a question I have is, so we got people protesting. We're having probably the uh, the biggest, is it discussion or just, I, I guess, visual evidence of, uh, of, of police brutality, police um, uh, misconduct or, or mistreatment of protesters that I think we, that probably we've seen Probably not since the 60s, I'm guessing, in the 70s with the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, definitely the 60s and definitely the civil rights movement. What do you want to see, not even just the Houston Police Department do to change, what does the rest of the country's police departments, whether they be city police, county police, state police, auxiliary police, volunteer police, what do you want to see change in all these departments uh, across the board? Well, for one, they would need to get rid of the no-knock raids. 
because like I just said to you in that little like I just said to you in that little story of the Harding Street raid, the Pecan Park raid, a no knock death caused the death I mean a no knock warrant caused the deaths of two people. Obviously a couple. And you know that incident with Antonina Jefferson was also a no-knock raid. And there was also an incident in San Antonio the previous year where a little kid, no more than like 15 or 16 years old, was shot and killed just, I mean, just as an innocent bystander, really, as he was sitting on the couch watching TV. And that shit was to the point where you know people ended up marching up and down the streets of San Antonio but the you know, point of the matter is I think they would need to get rid of no knock raids first second I think they would need to do is be cautious when it comes down to you know pulling over somebody you know try not to make people scared of Now, I mean, obviously, in this day and age where cops are afraid of, I mean, where people are afraid of the police, where people are afraid that they probably might not see their future, and obviously, in the case of the many people that have died at the hands of police, you know, I mean, I really can't say much about that figure. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say, but still, all I can really say is that the cops would need to stop making themselves feel intimidated, stop making themselves feel like, you know, they're only there to cause shit and stir shit up. Like they're thinking, oh, this person might not be a threat, but if he reach if he or she reached towards their armband or wristband, I mean if he or she reached towards their waistband or their pockets, chances are I'm gonna be the main one firing, even if they don't have a weapon. Yeah. But still that's all I can really say and as far as you know, for me, what I can say the pros and cons are to I mean, because you've seen the rioting up close when it comes down to this. What, to you, are the pros and cons needed to stop shit like this? Uh, to stop the rioting, you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there, there's quite a few solutions. I guess one of the extreme solutions is to get the National Guard and or Army in. That, to me, is an extreme solution. You don't want to do that unless you have to. Problem is that our mayor is a fucking idiot, and um, they were divert... So, apparently, they were diverting all resources to people that were looting on foot, but not by car. They were... NYP were told, do not pursue anybody who is looting by car... Who is looting and is driving away. Only focus on, on protesters... Uh, who are who are out past curfew, which yesterday was at 11 p.m., 
and uh, people that are looting on foot. The other thing I have seen is, or that I thought, and I've discussed this with my, one of my friends, is what you got to do is, and uh, back in the 70s, uh, uh, Mayor Lindsay, John Lindsay, had something called the Knapp Commission, where he, uh, he had uh, testimonies from uh, numerous um, uh, NYPD officers and detectives, uh, obviously the most famous being Frank Serpico. Uh, who uh, uh, blew the whistle on corruption, and this it was mostly had to do with drugs, with like the with the NYPD being uh, being a drug front, uh, and uh, there was major cleanup of the NYPD after that. But what I think is gonna happen is, Mayor, and I don't think it's gonna happen because Mayor De Blasio, I I, 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 I wouldn't trust Mayor De Blasio to kill a cockroach if that was his job. That's how weak he, I think he is. He should. He should absolutely. He should say, he and Dermot Shea, who is the NYPD commissioner, should come out and say, "Listen, we're going to have a public forum. We'll have it at City Hall. I'll listen. It'll be open to the public. We will go on for as long as we need to. It'll start at like in the afternoon, and we'll talk for as long as we need to. And we need to talk about. And you can talk to us about what what needs to be fixed with the NYPD." And we will listen. But if there is any violence, if there's any looting, if there's any sort of disruption or disorderly conduct, we shut it down and we call in the National Guard. And then they, they will have, if they see any, any sort of, of, of dis, disob not disobedience, but uh, conduct that is, that is destroying a property or uh, assaulting of a police officer, or assaulting a, of a, a citizen, that the that the National Guard and or Army will have full jurisdiction to use lethal force. But if as long as everything is peaceful, we will listen and we will consider we will listen to everybody. I think then that the protests will stop. If you get that, and they do listen, and they do take everybody's um, everybody talking into consideration. And then you can have the rioting stop because the protesting will stop, and who you know you know things. The reason why the rioter, the people that are looting and rioting, are getting away with it because you know if there's three thousand people protesting, there's ten that are looting. You know it's it's it, it, you have to go through three thousand people to get those ten, twenty, thirty, or forty that are that are screwing shit up, and they're not gonna do it. If they're the only ones by themselves. So I think that's a way. To, uh, that would, uh, you could, uh, help quell the, the protest. The other thing, you know, if you want to also do, is, is none of that is also, New Mayor, uh, not Mayor, but, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo reopens New York, says we're on phase four, all restaurants, gyms, uh, rest bars, everything is open. Non-essential businesses are all open. Uh, social distancing to be damned. If you need, if the store wants you to wear a mask and you wear a mask or gloves or whatever, but we're going back to how New York City used to be, because then here's the thing: these people mostly a lot, a lot of the people can go back to work. A lot of these people will not have time to protest and, or loot or whatever, and you know because they'll be working, and they'll, 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 they'll that's how you that's how you dwindle down the numbers. 
So there, it, so there. I don't think that'll be a good solution though, because that's kind of like it's kind of just like opening up a Pandora's box of a second wave. Not to say that these pro protests are aren't, but that just opens up a, a second wave rather than a slow reopening. I think the best solution is to have a, a public open forum where everybody, where you know, you go on for as long as you need to, and you hear from the public and anybody else, and you take everything into consideration about how to improve the NYPD and make it truly a a a a a, a, a police department that is for the community, by the community, and is not there to just make arrests or take tickets, but is there to protect and to serve. Sorry, long-winded. Um, but I guess I have to ask you the same thing. What do you think? Well, I mean, yeah, you you kind of answered, but like, what is what do you think? Uh, I like for Texas. Do you think you think that Texas can do the same thing, or you think that eventually, just you know, uh, what do you think is gonna happen with Texas with this whole thing? Abbott already issued like I mean he didn't issue any state curfews but he didn't issue a specific time that people should be out for obvious reasons because obviously he's you know in it with President Trump but still he hasn't really said anything I mean, I don't think uh, Steve could say anything about what's happened in Houston today. It's just the fact that, you know, when it comes down to the pros of this, of what's been happening, I think that one of those pros would need to be that people need to start being more united when it comes down to these causes because, you know, when it comes down to a black person died at the hands of a police officer, obviously we're all enraged, we're all sad, we're all upset that shit like this is even happening. But we need to put the fucking guns down and we need to, you know, stop killing, I mean, stop killing not just our own people, African Americans, but you know, people from other cultures stop wasting lives, you know, trying to rob and loot and do everything you can just to make a quick buck, actually get the fucking job, even though it's hard for me to say because I don't have a job myself, but still, do something other than fucking kill people, basically. I mean, do something other than fucking waste people's lives because your life ain't doing any better. But another thing I would probably say is a pro is, you know, in addition to the police, you know, saying, in addition to saying the police need to stop being more intimidating, you know, we need to start being aware of the fact that in times like these, we really need to, what am I saying? We basically need to trust in ourselves as well as trust in, you know, law enforcement to help us. 
when it comes down to, you know, supporting all these causes, especially in the African-American community, where everything is a bit underprivileged. Now, as far as the cons go, when it comes down to the amount of damage being done in cities like yours, you know, y'all don't have to deal with a $2 billion loss for all the lost businesses that are gone now because there's businesses that have probably been around for, what, a century now? And they're now done because of all these crazy-ass looters and rioters. I mean, if anything, it's probably, I mean, it was probably even worse there than it is in Atlanta where they had the fucking CNN tower infiltrated and they had the CNN logo spray painted with graffiti or down here in Houston where there were a few of where there were like 200 arrests but the police chief is trying to ensure and make sure everybody's alright and in LA you know there were a lot of people I mean there were a lot of people arrested, a lot of things getting destroyed, a lot of people getting ran over. Hell, even Donald Trump's Hollywood Walk of Fame star got destroyed for the umpteenth thousand time, hopefully permanently. <laughs> but still, point of the matter is, we need to stop, you know, as far as the cons go, we need to treat people with respect. Don't kill people over there, over protecting their business, like what happened in Louisville, Kentucky, a couple of days back. Yeah, well, that's, I feel, oh, sorry, go ahead. I mean, it's just crazy to me that somebody would fucking get killed for protecting their business. And unfortunately, that happened with a black restaurant owner in Louisville, Kentucky, as he was trying to prevent looters from killing off his business. I know, that's who, and, you know, I think that, that, you know, people, you know, one of the things that one of my friends said is, oh, you know, all these stores have insurance. You know, insur you know, I, that, 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 you know, I, I trust that Target, Best Buy, they have the money and the power to have that type of insurance. And if they don't, they're stupid. But here's the thing. Your mom and pop store does not have ins that insurance. They might have damages, but no but listen, as somebody who broke my, I broke my nose back in November, and my insurance refused to pay for anything, and my, and the amount of the amount that I would owe to the hospital was in five digits, and just because, just because, you have insurance, doesn't mean. It's going to help. There's actually even, there was one business, I'm trying to remember what it was. Some business happened to actually have taken out insurance previously in case of they had to shut down due to a pandemic. And the insurance carrier was trying to fight them saying, well, you know, it wasn't a, a pandemic of, that, 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 of the proportion that, that, we, that you had signed on for. And so just because you have insurance doesn't mean you're going to get protected at all. It, 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 listen, you you just pay, you happen to pay for something, and then the insurance carrier will decide if they if they'll pay you back. So, you know, you have an island pop store, that's a barbecue store. You know what? It gets destroyed and looted. 
probably doesn't have insurance for, for rioting. And if it does, I don't think, you know, I guarantee the insurance company would probably fight it. So, you know, attacking these businesses is stupid. You make yourself look bad. You're making, you know, you're making whatever the cause that you're trying to prove look bad. You know, and the protests, you know, it's the same thing with the cops, you know. It, 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 you, you talk about how, you know, the, the good cops have to report the bad cops. They have to, you know, they have to report the bad apples. The protesters have to do the same in turn for the looters. And th that is not happening as far as I can see. Uh, are protesters looters? No. Are looters protesters? No. But it, it's happening in the vicinity. And I'm pretty sure that, that a lot of people know who's who and is witnessing it. And I have no idea, like, you know, but also on the police side of things. Somebody's kneeling down. You don't fucking pepper spray them. They're not a danger. You're not a danger. They're not going to do anything. They're, they're, they're kneeling. You know, I would, I would just walk by them. Listen, go after the people that are throwing bricks that are, that are, they're still walk by them, and I'm sorry to interrupt again, but walk by them, I probably joined them. Oh, sure, uh, that too, that too. They aren't the problem. You and, and I kind of was hoping that you know, with the optics of this entire thing going on, that maybe you'd see less of that force being used. But now it's almost like. It's the opposite. It's kind of like they are sh trying to show their force more than th th this assertive power to to prove that they're the ones that can get away with this. Uh, and that's you know, this is gonna it's, it's gonna air badly on the police in the future from 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 most of the major departments around the United States. True. True, but there are some officers in some departments, like, for example, in Flint, Michigan, you know, there was this one officer who was being chatted on to march with the protesters, and he did so. There was one officer somewhere who got fired for showing sympathy toward the protesters, and obviously, I just mentioned the Art Acevedo thing in Houston, where, and I know that y'all had him in New York for a few years. I mean, you probably don't have the best of memories of him when he was the police chief there, but man, that dude was, that dude is obviously pissed off. That dude is fucking frustrated. He knows damn well that we're tired of this fucking oppression. So he, you know, he's basically been like a ringleader for change, so to speak, at least when it comes down to this situation. But still, you are right. Some of these officers that pepper spray people for kneeling or pepper spray people just for protesting, or even in the case of D.C., Washington, D.C., before Trump laid out that fucking curfew and 
doing a photo op in front of a Episcopal church with a Bible that's not even his. You know, before Trump made an ass of himself yet again, there was a situation in D.C. where they were just tear gassing and firebombing. I mean, tear gassing and pepper spray and protesters and even even took out a news crew from Australia who were just there just to report on the story to send it back home to their people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, But still, man, you are right. The people who, the officers especially, who just basically treat people like shit and pepper spray folks and just tear gas them for no, I mean, just embarrass them for no reason. Like, even, even for example, but yeah, the people that do that shit are definitely in the wrong, and especially the situation in Atlanta, where they took two college kids from an HBCU, I mean, two college kids, each from HBCU institutions, one from Morehouse College, the other from Spelman College in Atlanta. The two students were driving on by, doors rolled, doors locked, windows rolled up, all of a sudden, the police came in, busted all four car windows, their front wind, I mean, their front windshield window, and dragged both of them out the car, arrested them. Guess what the fuck happened to the officers? Hmm. Nothing? Uh, no. They got fired. Hmm. Yeah, they got fired for basically taking the law into their own hands on two innocent people. Oh. And shit like that that needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. They, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever used, yeah, if you ever listened. Did you ever used to listen to the Open Anthony show? Uh, no, can't say that I have, especially when they were in their prime. You know, he just, you know, when he said this, he said, you know, regarding like crime, uh, and all this, uh, he's, he, well, not this, well, back, this is back when, I, I'm trying to remember what it was, but he, he said to everybody, fucking behave, and that's why I have to say to everybody, fucking behave, this is the, this is the NYPD, this is the cops everywhere, this is the protesters, this is the looters, you know, no, no stern, stone unturned, fucking behave, just fucking Stop being... Actually, you know what? Uh, I would like to also, you know, quote uh, Jim Carrey from Liar Liar. Stop breaking the law, asshole. <laughs> and that includes, that includes the cops as well. That includes them doing, overstepping their authority as well. That's not just to looters. That's not yep. just for protests. That's to everybody. Right I now, mean, you know, you can even echo that bullshit to the certain individual at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, you know, he's basically trying to make this country and the world, for that matter, feel like we're walking on eggshells every time we even come out. And the fact that he basically said, you know, when the shooting starts, the looting starts. I mean, the looting starts when the shooting starts. It's fucking embarrassing for them, and it's fucking embarrassing for this country. Right now, um, 
I, I'm looking at a live thing on the Manhattan Bridge, which is one of the many bridges that goes from Manhattan to Brooklyn. And there was a protest somewhere downtown around that area, around Chinatown. And so when the 8 p.m. curfew happened, a bu- a, a bu- protesters were going towards the wa- walking section of the Manhattan Bridge where you could like, walk across um, to get to Brooklyn. Basically where the tourists and civilians make their way through the city. Yes, and the police are blocking them right now, preventing them from going across the bridge. And with the curfew... That's the quickest, where they are right now is the quickest, the, the only other place, they, if they walked further downtown to the financial district, they could then walk the Brooklyn Bridge, but my understanding is that the Brooklyn Bridge is entirely closed down, I believe, I think, but the, they're right at the Manhattan Bridge, that, that's where they can walk, if they want to, they can walk across that to get to Brooklyn, or wherever they need to get to, but right now they are being blocked by the NYPD, essentially trapping them. And they, they're, it, right now, I don't know if the subways around the area are blocked, I'm trying to think, so probably the closest subway around that area would be Canal Street, Jay-Z, um, I think that's the A, C, A and C also as well, I think also the, maybe the E, um, but. And how long of a walk is that from there to the Brooklyn Bridge? Uh, it's, it's like maybe, uh, oh, from where they are right now, uh, 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 where, where they, for them to walk to Brooklyn Bridge, so Manhattan Bridge is, is Chinatown. Brooklyn Bridge is right where Wall Street, it's actually, it's actually right where NYPD Precinct 1 is, where the NYPD headquarters is. And it is, and I'll say it's not an easy walk. Because, here, it's, here's the thing, you can see the Brooklyn Bridge, from Manhattan Bridge, uh, but like to get down there, I think a probably a forty-five minute walk, maybe thirty minutes if you walk fast. But there's no way they can do that with with the curfews going on now. Yeah, because if they do that, they're gonna end up being targets of the NYPD, and they're gonna end up overfilling uh, the New York City precincts tonight. Yeah. You know, you know, I, like I said, you know, just, you know, it's just fucking, just fucking be nice, you know, just fucking be nice. It's very simple. I don't know why it is so hard for all these people to just be fucking decent to one another. I think that's what pisses me off the most is because these cops don't have to do this. These, these looters don't have to do this. These protesters the bad protesters don't have to do this. And instead, everyone is just being asshole to one another. And it's making, it's all, it's making me almost hate everybody at this point. Where it's just like, you know, put them all in the, in the gladiatorial cage and let them all kill each other. And then there will finally be peace on Earth. Well, don't hate everybody. I mean, it's just like what Chris Rock said at that point comedy special, there's always a few bad apples that don't spoil the whole bunch. Oh, of course, of course. You don't want to have any bad apples in that bunch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you are in business. I mean, let's just face it. You're an actor. You're in a business which is SAG, I mean, which you are a SAG after certified actor. You're in a business well, you can't afford to have any bad apples in the set because 
if there are bad apples, if there are bad apples on that television set or on that film set, the whole production goes bad. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if, depending on if the environment is good, depending on if the environment sucks, if that bad apple turns out to be just bitter and rotten to the rest of his or her castmates, you know, morale is going to die down. Mm. And you don't want to be a part of a, you don't want to be a part of a shitty movie that's both bad in quality and bad in character. Yeah, well, too many times that's happened. I'll just say that. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, you do live in New York after all, so you probably had to deal with that shit more than I have. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, though. In situations like these where even though we appreciate people like Trey the Truth, like Killer Mike in Atlanta, and even though we, you know, give John Jones and Chuck Liddell a lot of gripe, John Jones because of the fact that he's going through some tough times with the UFC and who knows, maybe he might end up going to Ryzen if they can afford him. And people like Chuck Liddell, who ended up getting his head bashed in by Tito Ortiz in their final fight, hasn't fought since. And even people like Floyd Mayweather, who's paying for the funeral of George Floyd in Houston, for scheduled for next week, which at the time of this recording is June 9th. Floyd Mayweather is paying for the funeral of George Floyd out of his own pocket, but I think when it comes to the world of sports, I mean, sports fans in general, we need to really rally behind. <clears throat> I mean, sports teams and franchises need to rally behind, you know, these causes just to make sure that people get the word out about this. I mean, except for WWE, who has a history of racist angles and shit, but still, <laughs> we definitely need to get the word out about that. <clears throat> I mean, and, sorry, go ahead. And you know what? And you know what? While I say that, it makes me even sadder that there are some figures in, especially the world of professional wrestling, who see this thing as a joke. There's one post from a man by the name of Dave Hollenbeck. I mean, there was one post from a man by the name of David Hollenbeck on Facebook that basically mocked the George Floyd situation by having one knee on another guy's neck. And for those of y'all who don't know or don't give two fucks about who Dave Hollenbeck is, I'm going to tell you right now, he's nothing more but a job. Because he was one in AEW recently, and he was one on WWE's 205 Live. Then you have a story, I mean, then you have situations like, for instance, the one that I was involved in over the weekend, dealing with a certain conservative broadcaster by the name of Matthew Philip Topolsky, you know, who retweeted a story, I mean, who retweeted a tweet saying, Looks like Steve Carell 
the famous comedian from The Office and The Groundlings and, you know, that one <laughs> Foxcatcher movie that talked about the 80s wrestling, the 80s amateur wrestling scene. He, Topolsky, retweeted a story saying it looks like Steve Carell let all the white supremacists out and he royally got shit canned by just about everybody in the world of professional wrestling, especially coming from his now former employer, who I'm not going to say, but I know all too well. You probably know too well, too, because I keep talking about it. But still, one of the matter is he's gone from that particular promotion, so he's no longer a front producer. And then you got people like Jackson Riker, who's currently in the WWE. He was the former gunner in TNA Wrestling. His real name is Chad Leo. He's a former military soldier, and he basically tweeted out something thanking President Trump for all that he's doing, forgotten no more, and all that bullshit. And he, too, got royalty shit canned by basically getting blasted on by the entire, I mean, by the professional wrestling community. And said, hey, we don't condone his ideals. You there? Oh, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah. But the dude basically, I mean, one of, one of Jackson Riker's tag team partners basically said, we don't condone his ideals. We just think that everybody deserves to be treated equally. So I just have to ask, after I'm done with my long-winded rant, you know, what do you think that the world of sports, particularly our little combat sports bubble, need to do in order to get more people informed about stuff like this happening, about these issues surrounding our country you know yeah it's you know it's the you know it's almost like it's so hard to to put trust in people in combat sports because if there's anything i learned from from the coronavirus thing is that a lot of people in the combat sports world is not are not very smart and i don't know is this something I want to put in the hands of the combat sport? Well, here's the thing. It's so ironic that we that two that two uh, uh two of the most well known fighters, uh, John Jones and Chuck Liddell, helped uh, deescalate some two situations in two separate states regarding pro, uh, with protesting. So it's uh, uh it's funny how I mean that... John Jones even took away somebody's spray paint can because they were about to loot up a business. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine how funny that if they like tried to. Fu- I don't know if they recognized it was John Jones. I have to guess that they must have. But like, imagine if, the, if, if this person like, who's this fucking, who's this fucking guy trying to take my spray paint and try to fight and try to fight him? It just like, oof, bad. It'd be it'd be bad news for that guy. But I don't know. Is there anything that we can really that we can ask from the combat sports world? I don't know. It's so hard to put. It's so hard to put my trust in people. Who went just a few months ago? Uh, there was uh, many who were saying that like uh, COVID is is nothing, you know, that it was you know a conspiracy and just 
you know, downplaying it, even with uh, Dana White downplaying one of his fighters, Jacare, got it from for at the Florida show that they had. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they had three shows in Jacksonville over the last, I mean, over the course of one week. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can put my trust in actual fighters and people in, in, the, in the field when it comes to this stuff. They see, I, I feel like they would be so extreme on, on either side. You know, like gun-toting, you know, shoot them all types. Or, you know, maybe like, I don't know, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to randomly guess. Sean O'Malley probably is like, you know, you know, fuck shit up type. I don't know if he's like that, but he strikes me as a he sh- I don't know why. He feels like a type of guy who, you know, would smoke weed and be like, let's fuck some shit up. So, you know, I don't know if I can really trust the entire the the com the actual combat sports world to weigh in uh, logically on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand you on that because in what we cover, obviously, you're gonna have a lot of people with their own conspiracy theories, mostly super zombies. I mean. But sometimes you're not gonna have the brightest bulbs in the you're not gonna have the brightest bulbs in the drawer, so to speak. I mean, like for example, there was this story out of Japan and one of the DDT competitors, Antonio Honda, who was supposed to be like the second coming of Antonio Inoki. Dude basically posted stuff about, you know, Antifa and shit. Now he too is getting shit canned, even though all we had to do was click tra- all we had to do was click translate and realize that he was up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> but still, point of the matter is the combat sports community ain't really the brightest community in the world. We both know that. But I think that there are plenty of things that you know, the sports community at large, not just combat sports, can do to, you know, help out when it comes down to situations like these. Like, for example, Deshaun Watson, the quarterback for the Houston Texans in the NFL, he was out there marching alongside Trey the Truth and Bun B and all those people in Houston earlier today showing his support. He planning on going to the funeral George Floyd next week to show his support then. And then you got all these different athletes, not just in combat sports, but in sports in general, you know, showing their support to the Black Lives Matter movement, showing their support for, you know, no more police tyranny, so to speak. Showing their support for people that's going through quarantine hell, as we like to call the coronavirus pandemic. But, you know, but I think that more can be done. I mean, obviously, a a lot of PSAs are going to need to be in order because of this shit. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know what, come to think of it, that also kind of reminds me, you've seen what the UFC has done with their events. Obviously, they just had one at their little Apex facility this past Saturday, May 
May 30th, yeah, May 30th. Yeah. Yeah. The matter is, what do you think the future holds for combat sports? After all is said and done, like after the pandemic, after, you know, all this dies down, which unfortunately it won't, because you're still going to have people, I mean, you're still going to have cops killing black people every damn day, unfortunately. But I just hope that people will be more aware of situations like that. But what will the combat sports world look like, in your opinion, off of these empty arena shows? Uh, it's okay. Take your time. Oh, that's a tough one. Take your time. Uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I th I think it's I don't know. Nothing, you know. I really can't think about what combat sports was going to be like in the future. In the United States, at least. We at least have an idea in Japan, but in the United States, it seems to be... I don't know, you know. All we know is that the UFC is running shows in Florida, and now at the, in the Las Vegas uh, Apex Center, whatever you want to call it. But, like, for the smaller promotions, like the Tai Chi Palace, play, uh, tai Chi Palace or the... Uh, or CES, or the other regional promotions. I don't know. It's not, you know, it, I don't know. It's not looking good right now. It's not looking good. That's what. I, that's my personal um, belief on that. Understood. Understood. I mean, I can understand that not a lot of people have, you know what it takes to talk about stuff like this. And it's even harder to even go through this current environment right now, even thinking about, you know, sports. Because we're all going through this shit together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know how much, um, I don't think a lot of, uh, I don't know, I feel like sports are going to be we're going to be talking about this George Floyd thing for a long time, I feel like. I don't even know if, if, if this... I mean, it's already in the history books, man. It might as well be talked about. I, I think that sports, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe if baseball comes back, maybe that's when people will go back home as well, if the protests are still going on. I don't know. But I don't think the combat sports world, oof, other than UFC, I don't know what's going to what's gonna be. I don't even know for Bellator at this point. Bellator is a major promotion. All we know is that they're going to be on back on Showtime, but we don't know anything about shows yet, so, yeah. I mean, come to think of it, I don't think they ever done anything on Showtime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just happened to be on show. They, they announced that, uh, that, show, that, that they're back on Showtime, or you know, I should say back on Showtime, but that Scott Coker is back on Showtime, I should say. But um, Yeah, MMA is back on Showtime because Bellator is now having to report to Stefan Espinosa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I hope that, uh, I hope things get better. That's honestly oh, all I can say. Mm-hmm, but a lot of people say I hope. You know, a lot of people wish. 
mean? But most people, all they do is pray that things, you know, get back to normal. And in this day and age, you know, a lot of people are going to be doing a lot of praying and a lot of spiritual thinking when it comes down to this. And I really hope that, you know, we can pray all we want when it comes down to you know, stuff like this George Floyd situation continuing not to happen. But unfortunately, in this world that we live in, we don't know if we even gonna see the light of tomorrow. So we gotta take every day for, we gotta take every day and make it feel like it means something because you never know when you might not be able to see your bed again or even breathe again in the case of George Floyd, I mean, in the case of Mr. Floyd. And, you know, I just feel sad for his family and I feel for everybody that's ever lost a life to police brutality, to police tyranny, so to speak. And if our president had enough fucking bones for us to talk about this, maybe he would have some sympathy too, but unfortunately, he doesn't. And it's going to be fucking fun to see him get voted out in November, but still. One of the matter is, we all just got to be there for one another. We all got to, you know, hope, wish, if we're the type of people, pray and all that. We just got to be there for one another and make sure that shit like this doesn't become the new norm. <clears throat> because <clears throat> even though this, even though stuff like this may continue, as long as we are there for one another, you know, this will not, stuff like this won't go unpunished, which is what Derek Chauvin is realizing. That his bad deed is not going to go unpunished. He might not see the light of day ever again because of it. <clears throat> I want to give you... So, I don't know exactly how you end a podcast like this, Christian, but I'm just going to say, you know, we know how we normally are. You know, we do our plugs. We do, uh, you know, uh, we are rising. I don't know how to end. So, I guess the only thing I could say is, you know, this is yours. This has been your platform I'm glad that you've gone to speak so much about this because you can speak to, to, to this issue in ways that I cannot. So I want, since you started the podcast, I want you to end the podcast. You know, the floor is yours. Go off on anything. Do whatever you want. This is, you know, this is, I, I don't know if I should say this is your last stand, but treat it like it's your last stand. Um, you know, like the old saying goes, an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. And we are currently living through some fucked up times, but like I said, we all just got to be there for one another. We got to, you know, keep everything in our mind and in our hearts because it's like they say, tomorrow ain't promised to nobody. We just got to be there for our own people. We got to be there for everybody, really, just to make sure we all get through this. Not only through 
you know, situations like, you know, people putting knees to necks. We got to be there through sicknesses, through triumph, through championships and I mean, through championships and disappointments, through the good times and bad, we just got to be there for one another. And that's all I can really say about that. As a black, as a short black man from, I guess, about this Christian background, we just got to, I mean, if it means praying for one another, we definitely need some prayer in this country right now. I mean, you know, some of the leaders, some of the so-called prayer leaders that don't really care too much about people only for their money, I don't hear them talking. I really don't. I mean, they've only, if they've only just talked, you know, for what's been happening over the last couple of days, then they really haven't been talking at all. But still, like I said, we just got to get through, we just got to get these tough times by being there for one another and I think that even though we may not be political you know we have to all do our part to just make sure that you know this ain't the new norm I mean yeah the coronavirus is going to probably force us to make this feel like the new normal but we gotta do a lot of things to make sure that this where killing where officers killing innocent people just for the hell of it ain't the new norm. And that's all I can say about that. The plugs about this show. I mean, I would normally be doing plugs at the moment. I already gave y'all our Twitter account handles. Now y'all can check out the show and that's all there is to it. But I already said that at the and I can't really play the Lenny Hart sound bite because no disrespect to the legendary Lenny Hart she going through this too I mean she's American she was born in Palmer, Alaska been living in Japan since the late 80s so she's probably going through this just about as much as we are and she's probably not going to be wanting to I mean, even if she does, she's not going to be feeling too good to be in a jovial mood when it comes down to announcing, at least not until the end of the year, when the New Year's specials for Rising happens. But still, instead of playing that Lenny Hart sound clip, which we always do to close out this show, at least for the most part, all I can say be safe, be kind, be respectful, be generous, but most importantly, be there for one another. Because in times like these, in situations where everything's gone straight, straight through the rings of hell, so to speak, we all we got. And in most cases, it's all we need. Thank y'all for listening to this podcast, and be safe, y'all. Peace. Out.